Welcome to Locked On Cardinals. Alex Clancy, Bo, Brock, back together again. I feel like I say that once a week. Uh, Locked On Cardinals, follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Bo at Bob Brack. You can follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Uh, yeah, so we're back together. I What I did yesterday was I went down the... The, the next uh, you know item on the laundry list of comparisons rankings in the NFC West we've done you know defensive line we did uh, a couple others we did cornerback we did a secondary I did wide receivers yesterday and I'm just gonna apologize right off the top to Bo because apparently <laughs> I did the fun one uh, Troy Crisp on Twitter said hey how'd you like Clancy's corner break down the most exciting position group by himself on the re- recent episode. My apologies, Troy. Okay, I got excited. I hadn't been doing. I hadn't done a podcast in a while. It was the next one on the list, so I did it. So the first segment, thanks to Troy, this is for you. That we are going to compare our rankings. I'm going to let Bo go first for where he ranks the Cardinals and everybody else in the NFC West regarding the wide receiver position. I mean, I completely understand where Troy's coming from. It's like if you were to ask Anderson Cooper to break down the <laughs> NFC West wide receiver rankings, they would just have, hold no water. So he wants somebody who actually knows what he's talking about to break it down. But unfortunately, and maybe fortunately, we're probably going to fall in the same, the same rankings because I think the Los Angeles Rams are the clear-cut number one wide receiver core in the NFC West. Right? You've got Brandon Cooks, you've got Robert Woods. Cooper Cup, when he comes back from the ACL injury, they go four deep. I think Josh Reynolds is a guy that showed last year that he can play big downs in the NFL, whether or not he's Cooper Cup. Ask that there's a separation there, but these guys are definitely the number one wide receiver core in the NFC West. As far as number two, I think you and I are right there with each other as far as we think that what Steve Kine was able to accomplish this offseason has kind of catapulted the Arizona Cardinals to that second position. They probably hurdled the Seattle Seahawks after Doug Baldwin retires, and uh, they the only real big acquisition they make is in the draft with D.K. Metcalf, and he has his own question marks. But I like Larry Fitzgerald. I like Christian Kirk coming back after a strong rookie campaign. And then what they did in the second and the fourth round, and also bringing in Keyshawn Johnson later in the draft, you get Andy Isabella, Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson, and you couple those five rookie or those three rookies with the two guys you already have in place, plus Kevin White. Potentially, who knows if he can contribute? That'd be good. But I think the athleticism, the young playmaking potential that they have, I think the Cardinals are number two. Where maybe Seattle falls at third. I don't know who you had three and four, but I think Seattle probably is your third. Tyler Lockett. He's a guy that's uh, he's, he's a good wide receiver. Jerron Brown's okay. Um, and then DK Metcalf is kind of an unknown, but he's certainly got all the talent in the world. And it, it might be because they get the edge when you look at the San Francisco 49ers depth chart. It's Dante Pettis and Debo Samuel at the rookie as a starting wide receiver for you. And Marquise Gr- Gr- Goodwin. It's not a deep bunch. It's not, I mean, Jordan Matthews, they took a flyer on. I know you liked Matthews. I don't know where you stand on him now, but. I think that they are the clear-cut fourth team in the NFC West wide receiver rankings. Yeah, I, you know, I flip-flopped three and four. Uh, I looked at, because of what we saw from Marquise Goodwin when, when Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy last year, I thought that he was a clear-cut, you know, 
second-tier receiver in the NFL. He's a burner. He was a target monster. Dante Pettis showed flashes, too. It's just difficult when Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard are throwing you the rock uh, to show any sort of prominence. I just, I mean, losing Doug Baldwin is going to prove to be so detrimental to the Seahawks. Tyler Lockett, he's not a number one receiver. He just isn't, in my opinion. D.K. Metcalf, again, a lot of question marks. And then who is the kid? I can't, I can't even remember his name right now. The kid that showed uh, Moore, David Moore, he showed flashes last year, but he had a couple multi-touchdown games, multi-touchdown performances. I feel like anybody that knows him is just a fantasy football player who is looking for a flyer later in the season and probably won him a couple weeks if, if they picked him up off the waiver wire. So I have them at fourth because I just, for a guy like DK Metcalf, who in the first set of mock drafts that came out, he was going top 10. They're like, oh, this is yeah. the guy. This guy, you think Megatron was Megatron? This guy is an absolute machine who has negative percent body fat, who's going to completely change the way the, the wide receiver position is made because he's a bodybuilder, and then you see he doesn't really route, run routes very well. His feet aren't the greatest. He's not the fastest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So using that as kind of a moniker, I had them at four. And then with Jimmy Garoppolo at three, uh, if he's healthy, the the caveat to all of this is the best quarterback, hands down in the NFC West, has the worst receiving core, which means that he could definitely catapult them up a couple rungs if everybody stays healthy. So, I mean, the question marks are abound in the NFC West with their receiving cores. Sure. I mean, except for, I think, for the for the Rams. I mean, and there's still a fair amount of question marks surrounding the Cardinals' receiving core, but the DK Metcalf, I'm right there with you. I think he's kind of like... The supermodel who's trying to transition to acting. Yeah, it's very and good. And he's just a one trick, one trick pony. He's he's just a he's just a pretty face, right? He's he's got he's got the entire you know he's got the look of a top wide receiver, but we just know he's a guy that can run in a straight line very fast. But can he win physical one on ones? Can he get the ball at the point of contact? Can he stay on the field with the way he's set up? I mean, he he couldn't stay on the field at Ole Miss for the most part. So there's a lot of question marks, despite him kind of looking looking the part. Uh, I think Russell Wilson gives him probably the biggest advantage in the NFC West because he's probably, and I don't want to jump ahead of us as far as the quarterbacks are concerned, but probably the best quarter is the best quarterback in the division. Uh, real quick before we move on, what's the best model to actress transition? In our day and age, because I'm trying to think, because that was an interesting, interesting point. And before we move on, because it's the slowest uh, sports day of the year, I have one in mind already. I don't know why it popped into my uh-huh. head, but I have one already. And I was wondering if there's one that comes to mind for you immediately from model to actress. <laughs> Who, who's done it the best or the, what's the best way to do it? No, who's done it the best? Like in recent history. I, oh, I just wonder. If, so here. So mine's Brooklyn Decker. Because she came okay. in, she acted with the Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston movie. She was in um, The League. She was in several episodes of The League. I thought she did a very good job. And she's not annoying. Like, Kate Upton tried to do it in that movie. She was supposed to be funny. She wasn't. So, I don't know. I mean, that's... Right. And maybe Emily Ratajkowski will get the honorable mention for being in the Entourage movie. But she played herself. So, I don't know <laughs> if that really that really matters. Anyways. <laughs> um, it, it's tough. I mean... You have to go all the way back to Sydney Crawford, right? When we were growing up, and she tried to make the trans. It just oh, the chase! They, they don't look like you know. I, I know actors; they're beautiful people, but the models are another step, and they don't. They just don't give you like the girl next door vibe. And sometimes you need it. You're just not going to get that. It's not going to fit every role. 
he, he, I mean, it might work in like a James Bond film, right? Where he's always got the super swanky chick, but it's not going to work in every film. No, it's true. I mean, it, it brings me back before we move on to uh, Varsity Blues with uh, Amy Smart as, as the girl next door who's beautiful, but they dumbed her down, and then Allie Larder was just a train wreck. That's not what you want from the wide receiver <laughs> position. You know, even though she does have the sexy accent. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, Locked on Cardinals, breaking down movies, actresses, models like we do on a day-to-day basis. On the other side, we're going to shift to linebackers, the linebacking core. And, and bear with us because we know that the teams play different defensive schemes, different base schemes. Cardinals 3-4. I believe you're right, Bo. The Rams play a 3-4, and then the 49ers and Seahawks play a 4-3. We'll double-check on that before we move forward. Alex Clancy, Bo Brock, before we go to break, Bo's got something to say. Yeah, let's talk about sex. Not just sex, but good sex. Great sex. Remember when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance, get that extra confidence, but just listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Now, it isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online, shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA. Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, so they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code Locked On and just pay $5 in shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code Locked On. Try it free. Blue Chew is better, cheaper, faster choice. We thank them for sponsoring this podcast. Breaking news as we record this podcast. We'll have it for you next. Locked On Cardinals. Welcome back, Locked On Cardinals, Alex Clancy, Bo Brock. Man, Bo's got me on this, the edge of my seat. Apparently there's some breaking news, Bo. That's right. It is Supplemental Draft Day, and the top prospect in the Supplemental Draft has been selected by the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals went out and they selected the only name that was really relevant as far as today was concerned. There's always like one, maybe back to two guys that people actually know the name. Jalen Thompson out of Washington State has been selected, I believe, in the fifth round of today's supplemental draft. So Steve Keim adding another talented player to this Arizona Cardinals defensive secondary. And uh, with Patrick Peterson you know, being out six games, I think this is a pretty key addition for Keim and the Cardinals. You could never have too many guys in the secondary. You could never have too many linebackers. You know, I mean, that right. that's really, that's where we are. Um, all Pac-12 honorable mention, named to the uh, Benaric Award watch list, started all 13 games at free safety, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a DJ Swearinger backup to play free safety. It's, um, you know what? You have Deontay Thompson that, that they drafted out of Alabama. So now you have some guys looking towards the future. Bo, look at this. Before we move to the linebackers, let's just look at this, okay? This is a dream draft if it works. Because nowadays in the NFL, you need high-impact receivers, even though they're more of a dime a dozen, it's more a by committee, not as much as running backs, but wide receivers, you look as more of a committee base. That, they drafted a bunch of them. Secondary guys are next. On the defense, lockdown corners are so important. Lockdown corners and edge rushers 
are the two most important um, defensive positions, it, it seems, at this point, especially with an opportunistic defense. So the Cardinals kind of punted on the draft regarding edge rushers. They came out and got Jordan Hicks, middle linebacker Brooks Reed, who's somewhat of an edge rusher, but he's not. The Cardinals didn't go after Nick Bosa. Let's just put it that way, at number one overall. They went the offensive route, and they just stocked up on secondary guys. Deontay Thompson, Byron Murphy, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a very, very important supplemental draft pick just to add to the list of guys that if this all works out, if 70 or 80% of these guys work out, you can have a young defense like like Seattle did with Russell Wilson at quarterback. I mean, I know it's far-fetched, but this is a situation where you brought in a lot of potentially high-impact guys to make an, an impact right away. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the Pro Football Talk article about Thompson uh, as far as where he stands. A kid that was an entrant to the supplemental draft after he, his eligibility for testing positive for banned substance was stripped from the NCAA. So he was post-draft entrance to the NFL. So he gets picked up with a fifth pick. He's probably, they think that he could vie to start, or not start, but contribute as a rookie in week one. And that's that's not something that you find at this point in the offseason very often. Uh, you just have to applaud Steve Kime for being the guy. I mean, that's the advantage, right? Because some a lot of teams don't want to give up a first because that's how the supplemental draft works. But if you take a guy in the first round of the supplemental draft, you owe a first-round pick. You pretty much give it away for the next season. So right. they're just giving up their fifth-round pick in 2020. I think that if you get a potential starter or contributor – this season for next year's fifth round pick, uh, that's a pretty good deal for the Cardinals. And as you mentioned, that the potential of them kind of taking, maybe turning the clock back to when they had Tony Jefferson, Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson. Um, you know, you had the guys, you just had a strong, you had the no fly zone secondary. Uh, if it could be that good, or maybe go to higher heights, as you mentioned, the LOB, the Legion of Boom. Uh, I mean, it's it's not it, look, dreaming free, but the talent that they possess right now in the mix of young and veterans, I, I really do think that they could take it pretty pretty deep, pretty high as far as how talented Murphy is, how talented Thompson is, how talented uh, Deontay Thompson is. It's going to be fun to watch these guys progress, along with Buda Baker, along with DJ Swearinger, Patrick Peterson, Robert Alford. Uh, Tremaine Brock. I, it's just a talented group, and if they can kind of uh, hold and tread water for the first six games of the season, this could be something special the rest of the year. This could be a true strength, and couple that with the pass rush. Uh, who knows what you're going to get from the linebacking core and the defensive line, but if the pass rush and the secondary are way more effective than they were in 2018, this is going to be a team that's going to be dangerous. <laughs> you think Bo and I aren't excited to have something fun to talk about? <laughs> You think Bo and I aren't excited to have something positive, a positive spin on what's been a much maligned franchise over the last few seasons, especially since I started this podcast or I started took over as the host two years ago and they had Bo join uh, more recently. This is something we've been yearning for. Potential. I know potential is often not uh, followed through with success, but holy mackerel. If you look at this roster, look at every roster in the NFC West. And tell me that the Arizona Cardinals don't have the most potential on paper with their young players. It's it. I could. 
Go ahead. I, I agree with you, and especially especially when you look at the deals that they signed with these veteran players. Is it was one, it was two year deals, not a lot of guaranteed money in the second years of the deals. So guys like like Alfred, guys like Tremaine Brock, guys that they, Brooks Reed, these are guys that could potentially be one and done because if these young guys develop and maybe get ahead of schedule, and then you can bring in another talented rookie class the next year, or look at the free agent crop next year and get guys in their prime. I mean, that's a dangerous mix. Uh, I, I know, as, as you mentioned, potential is its a dangerous word, right? I mean, because untapped potential is one of the worst things in the world. Tapped into potential turns into teams getting ahead of schedule on their rebuild and really making a name for themselves and get right back into the thick of things. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I, I think that this was an offseason, and this could be kind of stepping it back a little bit that Steve Kime, it was really impossible him, for him to fail, right? I mean, it, 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 for him to potentially become like to, to have lost and have the high draft picks, the waiver priority in this situation, he had the opportunity to go up there in the first pick of the fifth round and get a potential contributor uh, and then have all the cap space. It was just, it was tough for him to not succeed. And if he didn't, it should have been, you know, if the writing wasn't on the wall before, it should be there you know, if, if he if he failed this offseason, which I think he's had a strong offseason. Yeah, you know, and let's talk about this. We'll push linebackers to tomorrow because this is an interesting thread. This is an interesting topic. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, we'll be right back. Final segment locked on Cardinals. Alex Clancy, Bob Rock, back together. Follow me on Twitter at Clancy's Corner. Follow Bo at Bob Rack. You can follow the podcast at Locked On AZ Cards. Bo's talking about how Steve Kime effectively meandered through the draft and through free agency so far. I mean, it, it's it's true, um, but he had some help. And, and, and let me tell you what I mean by that. He had some help because, and I've, I've used this, I've used this uh, analogy from time to time, and, uh, and I'll bring it back up again, is Steve Keim had, so say you have the first pick overall in your fantasy football draft, okay? And you have two guys that don't know what they're doing with the second and third pick. They're just the guys like, oh, I'm new to fantasy football, and I have the second, third pick. That's awesome. This is going to be easy. So after the first round, it's coming back, and they have two picks. You want one player. You want this guy. You're like, damn it, it they're probably going to take him because if they're smart, they'll take him. And the two guys that pick before the Cardinals never took the guy that the Cardinals wanted. So all the, all these things happen. Andy Isabella, I know it happened through trade, but Andy Isabella leading the nation and receiving, although it's through UMass, and again, Victor Cruz went to UMass. It's not like he's the first guy coming out of here that could potentially make an impact, was there at the end of the second round. And then uh, Hakeem Butler, who was looked at as a guy that could – could go in the mid-second round, was there in the fourth round. Byron Murphy, the top of the second round, even though he was looked at by some pundits as the best uh, the best uh, defensive back coming out of the draft. Yes, everything worked well. Yes, they drafted correctly. But a lot of times, other teams passed on the players that the Cardinals needed the most. And that helped Steve Kime look better. And also, accompanying that with... It being so polarizing with the free agents where some of them were going to get a billion dollars and some just weren't. So everybody's looking at C.J. Mosley. Everybody's looking at Landon Collins and Earl Thomas, et cetera, et cetera, down the list. And then Jordan Hicks is just sitting here. You're like, you know what? We'll give you some cheese, more than you've ever made. Just come here and, and, and you can be the middle linebacker or inside linebacker. And if it doesn't work, they're not married to it. Well, damn it. Everything would be fine 
if they didn't give this guy $100 million. So everything seems to be forming like there's like the ineptitude is kind of leaving the front office, something we haven't seen in a while, at least on paper, it looks like this story that they're trying to tell is fluid and can work if these young guys actually perform. But he did have some help, right, in the draft. Like, everybody's like, oh, my God, I cannot believe they got him at the top of the fourth round. Oh, my God, I couldn't, cannot believe that Byron Murphy dropped to the beginning of the second round. I mean, that's fair to say, right? He got some help. Yeah, I mean, that, but that you also get help from your ineptitude in the 2018 season, right? You you had to suffer through one of the worst seasons in franchise history, going three and thirteen, to have the ability to be at the top of each and every round. As you kind of use the analogy with the guy in the fantasy draft, if you're going to be sitting there and you're getting the the best pick in each and every round, you're going to hit on some, you're going to miss on some. Uh, I think Kime so far is hit pretty well so far. I mean, as we're just we're, we don't have hindsight as twenty twenty right now, but it, I, I do think that he did a good job this off season with. And, and you mentioned the free agency Hicks going out and getting him in his prime compared to some of the other guys that had gobs of money thrown their way. I think it's, it, it was a very solid move for him. And then the rest of the guys are on really not big deals at all. He kind of went to the bargain bin, kicking the tires while trying to. The, the big thing here is. Is Cliff Kingsbury and his coaching staff going to be the guys to develop these guys with all the potential and kind of tap into that? Because if they're not, all these picks aren't going to matter. Yeah, and unfortunately, the cloud over all of this is if Kyler Murray sucks, none of this is going to work. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it, it just is. I mean, that's it's a it's a threat. It's like winter is coming. I mean, it's it's a threat that if Kyler Murray isn't good at the NFL level, none of this is going to work, at least not initially. You know what's interesting about that, too, is we look at this offseason and we look at the projections, uh, you know, whether it's just win-loss total, is some, there's some people kind of talking to both sides of the mouth. Like they're saying the Cardinals are going to be bad. They're going to be a four-win team. But then again, there's, you see the projections for Kyler Murray – whether it's his fantasy football projections or whether people are just trying to project what his rookie season is going to look or, you know, who's, who's the most intriguing rookie out of the class. And Kyler Murray's about on 50% of the analyst pundits list. If Kyler Murray ends up being a hit, it's not going to be, a, they're not going to be a four win team. They're going to be a six to nine win team. Don't you think? I mean, him alone, being a dynamic playmaker will turn and result in more wins than I think anybody imagined for this team. But if he's a bust, he's the boom best bust guy. If he's a bust, it is going to be another trying two to four win season for this team. It's going to be tanking for Tua. I mean, it, it really will be. I mean, it's because here's the thing: they they have. I've said multiple times that they're the new Browns. They're the laughing stock. But if you're right, if 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 Kyler Murray works, if this works out. They will have the same exact franchise arc as the Browns, because the Browns are now looked yeah, at as, as a playoff. I mean, they're looked at. I don't know what the over under is. I think it's ten. It's something like that. It's way higher than anybody would have ever expected when they took Baker Mayfield number one. And obviously, they got OBJ and they traded for Jarvis before the beginning of last season. And Miles Garrett's worked out. David Njoku's worked out. Nick Chubb has worked out. They signed Kareem Hunt, so they're in the second tier of this plan. If the Cardinals work, if this works, and Kyler Murray has you know 4,500 all-purpose yards, and it's just like this insane offensive onslaught, 
they're going to have the same arc as the as the Browns, and they're going to be looked at as a ooh a sneaky dark horse team to make the NFC Championship game next year. I mean, we have no idea what the hell no is going to happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we see already kind of the fruits of drafting Kyler Murray in the in the preseason. You've got two network games. You're going to be on NFL Network for Kyler Murray's debut on August 8th against the Chargers, and then August 15th, the Raiders game is going to be broadcast on ESPN. And if Kyler Murray performs, even in, in the on the in the preseason ranks, if he performs, I, I know that they only have one primetime game scheduled for the 2019 season. That's a Thursday night football game against the San Francisco 49ers. But if he performs, and it's baby steps, if you can kind of chip away and gain some momentum, you can bet that you're, you know, that they're going to be, like you said, that Browns arc where they could appear in three to five primetime games by 2020. Yeah, seriously. I mean, this is. <laughs> Again, you think that Bo and I haven't been waiting for this? Just something to be somewhat excited about. Uh, we'll talk more about you know rankings and everything for the NFC West tomorrow. But this is something that Locked On Cardinals fans, listeners, need to hear. We want the Cardinals to succeed. We want to talk positively. We want to be able to nitpick at things during a positive stretch that they can get better on and not just have the sprinkles of the cupcake be the positive. We want the cupcake to be the positive and the sprinkles to be the negative, ratio-wise. Not my best, not my best, not my best. But, I mean, you, you kind of get what I'm saying. So, with <laughs> Kyler Murray, Cliff Kingsbury, this could be a lottery ticket or it could be the worst thing we've ever seen in football. I mean, it's, we still we still know as little as we have some, some from when he was drafted. We we knew he could hawk the ball. We know he's fast. The one thing that we that you remember, Bo, and that I remember from preseason was we were looking so hard for something to be like, oh, Josh Rosen's the guy. You know, you're squinting your eyes. You're like, where is the yeah. thing? He didn't have it. He didn't have it except for one pass across the middle to Christian Kirk for a touchdown. It was it was just a laser that went through three guys. He didn't have that that swagger of hey, I'm meant to be an NFL quarterback. He may be down the road with Miami. I hope he succeeds there. But he didn't have the I'm gonna skip onto the field and just wreck stuff. He didn't have that. Right. So we're hoping that he, in, he had the, Go ahead. He had the battle with Sam Bradford to start. Right. I mean that's you know. We saw how bad Bradford was last year. Right. So we're hoping. That's step one. Step one of this journey is hoping that the first series of his first preseason game, he gets a few first downs and they move the ball down the field. That's it. That's all. That's step one. Training camp is training camp, whatever. His interviews are bad, whatever. He looks like he doesn't He, he doesn't care about interviews and everything and answering questions. He doesn't. Who cares? All we need right now is for him to walk on the field first game preseason on NFL Network and show that he's a competent NFL quarterback. That's it, right? I mean, that's fair to say. That's the next big step. So we have, what, six weeks to look forward to that. Hopefully my hair doesn't all fall out before then. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, you know, we'll wrap it up here. We went a little long today. Uh, You're welcome. We'll talk about rankings for linebacking court tomorrow, NFC West. Locked on Cardinals.